October 11th, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, through chapter 5, verse 3. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we, Paul and his co-workers, urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You are doing this already, and we encourage you to do so more and more. For you remember what we taught you in the name of the Lord Jesus. God wants you to be holy, so you should keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion as the pagans do in their ignorance of God and His ways. Never cheat a Christian brother in this matter by taking his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to be holy, not to live impure lives. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human rules, but is rejecting God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. But I don't need to write to you about the Christian love that should be shown among God's people. For God Himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, your love is already strong toward all the Christians in all of Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we beg you to love them more and more. This should be your ambition, to live a quiet life, minding your own business, and working with your hands, just as we commanded you before. As a result, people who are not Christians will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others to meet your financial needs. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the Christians who have died, so you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus comes, God will bring back with Jesus all the Christians who have died. I can tell you this directly from the Lord. We, who are still living when the Lord returns, will not rise to meet Him ahead of those who are in their graves. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the call of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, all the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with Him forever. So comfort and encourage each other with these words. I really don't need to write to you about how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying, All is well, everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall upon them as suddenly as a woman's birth pains begin when her child is about to be born, and there will be no escape. There was a British minister called Derek Prince, who had a wonderful ministry. He was one of the very few ministers who would preach on demonology and deliverance in the 80s and 90s. And I would like to use one of his quotes to start this message. He said, This is one of the precious treasures of truth that God has given me over the years. There's no way you could put a price on this. You could offer millions of dollars, but it wouldn't be sufficient. There is no monetary value equal to the value of this truth. 
I want to say it very simply, and I trust I'll make it clear. Listen carefully. We overcome Satan when we testify personally to what the Word of God says the blood of Jesus does for us. When I first heard him say this, I began to see it work in my life, and I was amazed at the results. What Derek Prince said is scriptural. Revelation 12:11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of Jesus is of absolute importance in the life of the believer. For us to appropriate the truth of Revelation 12:11 to our lives, we must take a step back to discover the importance of the blood of Jesus. What we need to know firstly is that the blood of Jesus is perfectly holy, uncorrupted, pure blood. Let me explain. Although Jesus Christ had a human body, the blood that coursed through his body, the blood that coursed through his veins, was different to the blood that courses through you and I. We all know that Christ was born of a virgin. We see in Luke how Jesus entered this world the first time. Luke 1.34 Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. This then begs the question, what happened to the blood of Jesus as he gestated for nine months in the womb of Mary? Did his blood come from Mary? Definitively, the answer to that question is no, it did not. Every single red corpuscle and every white blood cell and every little platelet and drop of plasma inside that baby which is developing, all of it, in any baby, anywhere in the world, is made within the baby itself. That is a medical fact. Before I knew this fact, I had the idea that the blood that was in a baby and the blood that was in the mother would continuously interchange and flow together, but this is not true. When I discovered this fact, it proved to me the reliability of the Bible. The authors of the different books in the Bible prophesied that Jesus would come and be born of a virgin. They had no knowledge of the medical fact that the blood of Jesus and the blood of Mary would not mix in the womb. The blood that flowed through Jesus was God's blood, because he himself is God, and he himself is the Son of the living God. But you may say, God doesn't have blood. But when Jesus was on this earth, he did. Acts 20, 28 Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now here is the proof to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What this verse tells us is that God purchased the church with his own blood, the perfect blood of Jesus. We need to understand that one of the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 As New Covenant believers, we cannot reject the effectiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ in the pursuit of righteousness. How can we be cleansed without the blood of Jesus? What can purge us of our filth and sin except for his blood? Revelation 3.25 states, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. 
The blood of Jesus accepted by faith is the conciliation of reconciliation. The wrath of God is kindled against wickedness and unrighteousness. Nothing else satisfies the call of judgment except the blood of the true Lamb without blemish. The sin of Adam that is imputed to us and that condemns us under God's anger, under God's wrath, is forgiven when we come to God stained with the blood of Jesus by faith. We stand before the judge of judges fully justified. Romans 5.9 uses this exact legal term as the effect of the blood in our lives. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We must remember that the wages, the just penalty of sin, is death. The songwriter ushers our hearts into this truth with the penned words, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He took our place on the cross, and his blood was shed once and for all of us. We must, however, yoke ourselves to him by faith to stand justified before his Father. From the text in Romans 3, we also find a clause that links redemption to the blood of Jesus as well. Paul's central thesis is that there is a righteousness that comes from God, and it is given through faith. We establish that above. He highlights the doctrine of justification and in the same vein the doctrine of redemption. Both are ours because the innocent blood of Jesus Christ was shed. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. We were slaves to and under sin, but now the blood of Jesus has brought us back and has liberated us. We were slaves to the works of the flesh, but now those of us bound to the loving Father by faith are living in the freedom wherein Christ has set us free. Saints, I urge you to never slight the blood of Jesus or take it for granted. Reflections on the blood of Jesus should excite us. Jubilation must fill our hearts when we think that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Peter points us to the eternal, invaluable treasure that the blood is in the life of the believer. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 Peter 1.18-19 God didn't spare any cost for our justification, redemption, and propitiation. Perishable metals that are of earthly value quickly grow dim when compared to the cost God paid. We owed a debt we could not pay, and God paid a debt he didn't owe. We are called to live under this memorial. Jesus didn't point to the miracles that he worked or his glorious ascension to sit at the right hand of his Father as the thoughts to commemorate him. As magnificent as they are, he set a memorial of weakness, of death, of blood for us to celebrate until he returns. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11:24 through 26.